Tithing, and I'm not going to preach on tithing, but tithing did not begin with the Mosaic Law. Tithing began in the book of Genesis when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. There was no commandment to pay tithes. Just did it. It's an act of gratitude, an act of love. When you fall in love with Christ, preacher said a long time ago, he not only touches your heart, he touches your pocketbook. Isn't it amazing how few amen stuff like that gets? It's the nature to give. To give to the church, to give to others, to minister as best you can. It's, it's not a commandment that figure to the exact dollar. I know some people who figure every deduction trying to get out of tithing. It doesn't work that way. You just give from your heart. God, you owe God all you have anyway. He owns everything. He's only letting you use it. So be a steward, not just a tither. Anyway, in the third chapter of the book of Matthew, Malachi, they're close. They both start with an M and they're just 400 years difference between the two. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter 3. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. I was reading this in a, in a little different translation back in the office a while ago, and they inserted one word into that verse that just kind of added, as far as I'm concerned, to it. Behold, I will send my messenger. Jesus said the messenger would come, the messenger had come. The messenger was John the Baptist. Came preaching in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Was a good message then, it's a good message now. Too many people traveling a crooked road. Takes them to a lot of places God didn't intend for them to go. But the message of John was, here is the way. Jesus later said, I am the way, not a way. The way, the only way to get to the Father. So the messenger came and called sin by its name. Sin has always been sin. Your idea of what sin is may not be sin. Am I making sense so far? But if God said it was wrong, it's wrong. I've heard preachers preach that it's a sin to chew gum. Uh, There's nothing in Scripture about that. Sometimes we've taken things that are non-scriptural and, and made them sin in people's minds and hearts. Sin is anything you do against the will of Almighty God. Now you can't know His will without at least in part studying the will. The Bible is a covenant. It's a will. A testament. It's in Two parts, the old and the new. They're both needed. Malachi says this is going to happen. Jesus said it did, and you wouldn't receive him. When John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, he didn't wear fine clothes. He didn't eat exotic meals, unless you want to call locusts and wild honey exotic. Lived a simple life, a very itinerant life, very demanding life, baptized many people in Jordan's River, did a tremendous work 
uh, doing what God had called him to do. What's important in each of your lives is that you're doing what God wants you to do. Period. Not necessarily what you want to do. Some of us had great plans for what we were going to do when we were younger. We were going to be the uh, next doctor to discover the cure for cancer or the next pilot or the next man on the moon or whatever it was. And, and, and somehow along the line, those, those ideas, those dreams changed. I remember laying one day on the grass under a tree at a ballpark where a friend of mine and I had been playing. We laid down to rest for a minute and we was looking into the clouds and, and, and we looked at each other and said, let's build an airplane. You know, we were probably 10, 12 years old. We didn't have a clue how an airplane worked, but we were going to build an airplane so we could, that incidentally never happened, obviously, but uh, uh, we have great plans. But somewhere along the line, God shifts your direction. And you begin doing what He designed you to do. You are designed for a purpose. I'm amazed that so many people who become Christians and begin to study the Bible immediately think their only calling is to preach the Gospel. God did not design everybody to preach. Some of those that He called to do that, you often wish He hadn't called them. But that's God's business, not ours. If you, would, if you can't carry a tune, I would suggest you don't decide that God wants you to be a singer. If you can't read, I, I don't think He wants you to be an expositor of the Word. And I'm not being critical, but sometimes we have a design for ourselves that is not the design of God. And when we find that place in Him that's God's perfect design, then we are comfortable in His service. We've kind of found our niche, so to speak. We, we move in that arena because that's the anointing of God upon us. Then He said, this man's going to come and prepare the way. And in the other Bible I was reading, uh, before me, and it said, and then the Lord whom you see. The only word they changed was then. After this prophet has come, after this one messenger has appeared, then the Lord whom you seek shall come. For at least 400 years, at the close of Malachi to the opening of Matthew, for 400 years, man had looked back. Something's going to happen. Someone is going to come. He hasn't come yet. John isn't he. He hasn't declared himself to be the Messiah. Some things about John that don't measure up. Of course, there were some things about Jesus in the mind of the Jews that didn't measure up. But he's, he's not him. So he's still coming. Well, then comes Jesus. After his baptism, the Spirit of the Lord has come down on him. He's gone into the wilderness. Spirit has ministered to him there. The devil has tempted him. After 40 days of fasting, complete fasting, no food, no water. Well, I had a fast. I quit eating lunch. 
So I'm fasting lunch. No, I just quit eating lunch. I eat a late breakfast and then I eat supper. But boy, I can declare a fast. That's not a fast. A fast is when you separate yourself from necessity and use that time praying and surrendering yourself to God. Don't do that casually. Some of you, some of us, are on medications that do not allow a complete fast. Don't kill yourself trying to prove how faithful you are. But Jesus had a, had a 40-day fast. He didn't tell you you had to do that. Now, if you feel led to do that, bless you. By all means do. Jesus said, This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. I'm not taking a thing away from fasting, but don't sit down and say, Well, Jesus said He's going to fast 40 days. I am too. You may collapse at the end of 10. Set a reasonable goal for yourself. Learn that you can do it. And then fast. After that fasting, after that uh, surrender there in, in the mountains, in the desert, Jesus went into the city and attended the marriage feast at Cana of Galilee. And then Matthew declares that He walked into the temple one day, walked up and stood behind the place where He was wont to read, where He often would go to read. And He began to read the Scripture from Isaiah. And He said, Today this is fulfilled in your ears. Today the messenger has come. Today that one that you have been seeking for has really shown up. Many didn't believe it. We talked to you before that there are three areas of anointing in Scripture. A Messiah had to fit all three areas. Prophets were anointed, priests were anointed, kings were anointed. Jesus had to be prophet, priest, and king. They had no trouble with His priesthood. Had no trouble with His prophetic ministry. Had a lot of trouble with Him being a king. He didn't look like a king. He didn't dress like a king. He didn't build an army. He didn't live in a palace. He, he wasn't trying to take over Rome. He didn't appear to be a king. Had a trouble with his kingship. Listen, if you've only accepted Christ in your life as priest and prophet, you're really missing Him. He wants lordship of your life. If we will confess Him as Lord, that means He's in control of everything we do. That means every step we take, we surrender to Him and let Him guide that step. We're not interested sometimes in doing that. We just kind of want a comfortable priest. Well, if I sin, I'll just go to my priest. He'll, he'll take care of it. He'll, he'll cleanse me. He'll give me absolution. He'll absolve me of the problem. He'll... We want that. We want to hear him say sometimes, I'm, I'm guiding your steps. Brother Richard, I'm leading you in the steps I want you to go and, and you're going to be used. We want to hear that. We want his prophetic word. But boy, I don't want him telling me what to do. Look, that's the business of a Lord. He gets to outline the plan for you. And you are to do his bidding not your own. But He's coming. Jesus said He came. Malachi said that, that He will come after that messenger. 
John the Baptist went to prison. While in prison, he sent disciples to Jesus. And it's amazing, when you read Scripture, Jesus didn't go visit him in prison. Isn't that wild? Well, come on. Hallelujah. I mean, they're, they're, they're cousins. They're not only cousins, He's Lord. He's the one I've been preaching about. Now I'm not sure. Look, have you ever been not quite sure? I mean, I know all the things they've taught me all my life about Jesus, but I'm, I'm really not quite sure. Did He really do that? Can He really do that? Will He really do this? Is He really coming? I've always believed it. But right now I'm not quite sure. I don't really know. Is He really going to do all of this? So in His desperation, I think John probably realizes his time is short. Herod doesn't like him. I mean, he's accused him of being an adulterer publicly. He probably knows that the king wants to get rid of him. And so he sends disciples to Jesus. And they ask, are you the one? I mean, John public declared that, publicly declared that. Stood on the banks of the river and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And then he baptized him. But then, he's come to that place of weariness, frustration. Is my ministry over? What is ahead of me? All of those things accumulating in his mind and his heart. And he sends these disciples to Jesus and said, Are you really him? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what you do. You go tell John what you've seen and heard. Go tell him how in that crowd of 10,000 people or more, we raised $18 million. I bought a new jet. I, I got a new Rolls to drive when I'm at home. We've just done fantastically well in the offerings lately. You go tell them that. That will thrill John while they're starving him to death. That'll thrill John while they're making fun of him. That'll thrill John while he knows he's about to die. That the one thing we've done is raise a lot of money. It's not what Jesus said. He said, go tell John the things you've seen and heard. The blind see. The deaf hear, the dumb speak, the lame walk, the dead are raised to life again. You, you go tell him those things. I'm amazed at, at what we're telling people now. Had service, three people fell out under the power of God. I think that's wonderful. I don't have a problem with people falling out under the power of God. I'm not going to push you. But I have no problem with God doing a mighty work. We've talked about it many times. My heart's desire is to see God fall on everybody. Amen. Like it did at Cornelius' house. Not one or two who even emotionally respond. I'm talking about when the power of the Holy Spirit really fell. Jesus said, you go tell him these things. And I've wondered so often since he preached that message, how many of us in ministry have seen blind eyes open?
How many of us have genuinely raised the dead? We don't report much of that. We report our attendance. Our church has 60,000 members. I've written 14 new books. But the people are still hurting. People are still broken. Lives are still lost. People are still going to hell. But we've, we've got all this stuff. And yet Jesus said, here's the signs. And then He said, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, these things are going to happen. We're going to speak with new tongues. Well, we don't want to do that. We're having enough trouble with those arch English. We'll lay hands on the sick. They will recover. We'll cast out devils. We'll lift up serpents. You do that if you want to. Not in this church. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't believe that's a commandment. I just believe that could happen. Okay? Praise God. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. These things are going to follow them. Who? That believe. That's not the preachers. That's you. This is open to you. This is the message that was to come. The messenger's coming. The real anointed one is on his way. That one that God said he would send, he shall come suddenly into the temple. The messenger of the covenant. This is the covenant God gave and this is the sealing of the covenant. God put the seal on the covenant when he sent Jesus. Everything I promised is fulfilled in Him. In Christ, or in Him, Scripture says, meaning Christ, should all fullness dwell. He's the fullness of everything God had ever promised. It's all in Him. He's complete. And the beauty of all of that is, in Him you also are complete. Wow. And then He went on and He said, this messenger, when He comes, uh, He will... Or who shall abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Mm. One text I read moments ago said he will come with lye soap. I remember helping my grandmother make that stuff. Afraid to wash with it. Afraid to eat the skin off. It, you know, lye is not a great thing to be using, but it cleanses. It got stuff clean. Hallelujah. And I'll guarantee you the old folk didn't mind scrubbing with it. They were not gently washing your sins away. <laughs> when we got dirty, we got scrubbed. I remember the old Dutch rub mom used to give us when she washed our hair. Man, talk about hurting. Killed everything that was up there, but it... Uh, did the job. Praise God. He'll come. But He's not coming happy. Oh, when Jesus comes, glory to God. No. He's not coming happy. He's coming like a refiner. I'm going to put people through the fire. I'm going to find out what's pure or what isn't. I'm going to check things over. Then He's going to clean up His church. Well, that'd be a good place to start. Hello. If we could allow Him to clean us up as the church, we wouldn't have quite as much trouble 
getting the world to want what we have. We're trying to push something on them they don't understand in the first place. And when they look at us, we're not any different than they are to begin with. We got preachers imitating the world instead of the world imitating preachers. Got Christians living loose lives, not caring, uncommitted. I wanted to preach a message and haven't quite had the nerve yet to do it on all of you in the church should be committed. Hallelujah. Now you'll get the real detail of that, I hope, before you leave here today. But we have no commitment anymore. It's if it feels good, if it's all right, we'll do it. If not, God doesn't care. God does care. Didn't call you to be careless. Didn't call you to just live however you wanted to. He called you to be committed to Him. People don't want to commit themselves to anything anymore. Kids come, say, we want to get married. We're going to try it, see if it works. Look, that ain't commitment. Hello. Real marriage says we're going into this and I know there will be problems, but we're going to make it work. That's called commitment. We need that with Christ. I'd like to tell you, when you get saved, everything from that point on is absolute glory. You'll never have a problem. But I'm not about to stand up in front of you and lie to you. There's problems to come and you better make up your mind. We're going to deal with them but we're not going to lose God in the process. We're not going to lose sight of Him. We're not going to stray in our commitment to Him. We need to remain that way before the Lord. Who shall abide His day of coming? Look, this isn't a happy time. He shall set as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, when he's talking of Levi, he's talking to the priesthood. And I think that's a good place to start cleaning things up. We told you the other night there was a preacher in Springfield recently at a big church who is identified as the cussing preacher. Well, I didn't go. And I'm quite sure most of you wouldn't be too interested in me standing up here and using a lot of profanity. And but oh, you know God loves me. It's okay. He clean me. Come on, folk. A good place to start would be to change the minds and hearts of the ministry. When our dedication, our commitment to God, caused us to deal with people in a gracious and loving anointing. Hello. I made a promise a long time ago. When ministry becomes just a job, I'll quit. When that's all it is, I'll get out of the ministry. God wants to clean up me. I have no right to try to clean you up if I'm not clean myself. I can't tell you to take a bath if I smell like a skunk. Hello. Come on, it's let's clean up the ministry. He's going to come in and he's going to purge the ministry. Now I'm not a judge, 
But I have to admit that I am a critic. Not everyone who stands in a pulpit is called of God to be there. A man told me some time ago that he uh, decided it'd be an easy way to make a living, so he went to school and got him a degree and then got a church. That doesn't sound like a call of God to me. The call of God is something you either have to do or die. If you're called to it, you can't quit. Well, preachers retire. Someone asked in a board meeting one night if I'd ever thought about retirement. Everybody does. What, 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 what when I retire? The Bible said there is no discharge in this war. You don't quit. You just keep going as long as you can. Amen. But He'll come. And when He does, He's going to start with the preachers. He's going to purge them. Purge. Clean them up completely. Inside and out. Pour out everything that ain't like God. Get rid of it. Wow, that's a pretty drastic measure. But he wants us clean. Hello. It's not preached much anymore. There's a, a message being preached that you can live any way you want to and it'll please God. I have to tell you that uh, somebody lied to you. He'll purge them as gold and silver. You know what they do to gold and silver? Put it in the fire again and again and again till it's pure. You know when it's pure? When they can see in it the likeness of the refiner. How many of you look in the mirror every day and say, Boy, I look like Christ today? And I got news for you, you're going through the fire again. But I don't like the fire. Nobody does, but it's good for you. Because the job is not to improve your image, it's to improve His. So He'll put you through the fire, He'll purge them. They can offer unto the Lord an offering in glorious righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. Uh-oh. Now wait a minute, everything's going to get alright with the priesthood, but then I'm going to come to you and I'm going to put my arm around you and I'm going to tell you all I want you to do is sit on my lap and tell me how much you love me. No, he said, I'm coming to you in judgment. What's that mean? I don't like what you're doing. Well, I don't approve of the way you act. I don't approve of your relationships. I don't approve of your idols. Lord, maybe I should have preached this some other time. I don't approve of the distance between me and you. I don't approve of your lack of prayer. I don't approve of your lack of love. Before I left, I gave you a commission that you should love one another. I didn't leave you with a complicated system of government. I left you with two laws. 
Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I told you number two was that you love one another. You haven't done it. Oh, you loved me when you gave me that offering. And I loved you when you gave me that offering. But then you did this little silly thing that upset me and I didn't want anything to do with you anymore. That's not love. Maybe appreciation in some degree. But it's truly not love because love is unconditional. I love you if you're clean. Love you if you've got mud all over you. Love you when you're on top of the mountain. And love you when you're so far in the valley you don't see the, the daylight. Love you when you're going through trouble. Love you when you're laughing. But when you're crying, you can use my shoulder. That's called love. But we're not there yet. And He's going to come in judgment against those of us within the body that He's trying to clean up. And I believe the Holy Spirit is at work on that right now. Because when He comes after His church, He's not coming after a half-clean church. He's coming after a spotless church. Body that's been washed in the blood of Christ. He's, he's coming after that that's been purified in the fire. He's, he's brought us to a place of new identity. He's coming. I will come near to you in judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers. Well, none of us practice that. Against the adulterers. Well, we don't do that either. Uh, wait a minute. I think somewhere in the New Testament, the Scripture said, if a man looketh at a woman to lust, he has committed adultery with her in his heart. Seems to me like that wasn't casually put in there. So now it's not a matter of just doing it. It's a matter of thinking about doing it. Uh-oh, if that applies to that, how many of you have ever said, boy, if I was God, I'd just kill him. I'd like to strangle her. Well, you thought about it. Thought about those piles of money laying there at the bank. They had too much of it and you needed more. You didn't do it. You sure thought about it. And apparently, scripturally, thinking about the act is the same as committing the act. So I'm coming against all of you who have not purified your thinking. Now we're told to do that. To be renewed in the spirit of our mind. To let our minds be renewed and to begin to think right. Think about things that are good, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Dwell on those things. Not on the things that are terribly bad. Look, there's plenty of bad stuff out there. Christians don't need to spend their life studying all that stuff. Don't look for the bad. It'll find you. And then he says against false swearers. 
That's not cussers. <laughs> uh, Diane, I'm going to come see you tomorrow and have prayer with you. But I get up in the morning and I say, I don't want to go see Diane. Well, look, I swore to her yesterday I would, but I didn't. So I've sworn falsely. I've probably done that on occasion. Looking back on it, I'll do that. I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. When tomorrow came, something came up that I allowed to come up and didn't get done what I had promised to do. Become a false swearer. People uh, now sign contracts and have already hired a lawyer to break it before they ever got the ink dry on the paper. False swearers. We don't mean what we say. Won't mean anything. They won't remember anyway. You're going to promise something, promise it to an old person. They won't remember it after you've said it. Oh, just, glory to God. Just, we don't mean it. And, and God said, let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. I mean, just tell the truth. Look, if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about what you told somebody. I can't tell Jitterbug this because, gosh, I don't remember. That's what I told Steve. Come on, you just tell them both the same thing. Then you don't have a problem. Can't come back to haunt you. For, uh, these false swearers and against those who oppose the hireling in his wages. Well, the standard pay is 10 bucks an hour. <laughs> but, but I found this guy had worked for me for three. So I just paid him three. You cheated him. You're a Christian. You didn't do what was honorable. You should have paid him what was being paid. Brother Don, I needed the money worse than they did. Probably not. They wouldn't have been working for you if they hadn't needed it. They didn't think much of you anyway. They opposed the hireling at his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. We're just good to the people that we're acquainted with. We have nothing to do with the stranger. We treat the fatherless, the orphans wrong. We disregard the old people. One of these days I'll be there. I don't want you to forget me. <laughs> Glory to God. For I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Look, I am God. When are we going to get that message? That He really hadn't changed. Look, if God got mad in the Old Testament, He still gets mad in the New Testament. He's God. He doesn't change. Look, God has a temper. <laughs> How many of y'all have a temper? There ain't nothing wrong with that. Just learn to control it. When you fly off the handle, repent. It repented God that He had said He would wipe out whatever. So after repentance, God didn't do what He said He'd do. You, you have that same option. 
Well, if I can find him tomorrow, I'm going to beat the snot out of him. I didn't like what he said. Did By tomorrow, you've repented. Probably because you remembered how big he was. But, uh, hallelujah. I'm the Lord. I change not. You're not consumed because I have a heart of love and a heart of repentance. My whole goal is to draw you back where you can fellowship with me. One more verse. Even from the days of your fathers, even from the days of your fathers, ye have gone away from mine ordinances. You've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you have said, how can we return? Or wherein shall we return? Look, here's something God's saying to all of us in America today. Return unto me. There was a time you loved me. There was a time you couldn't wait to come into my presence. There was a time you came into the church with joy, praises. There there was a time you loved the fellowship of the saints. There there were times that you prayed for those that that you didn't know who had come into the congregation. But, But we've lost that joy. We've lost that peace. We've lost that satisfaction. We've lost that fire, that, that fervor. It doesn't burn within us anymore. Why doesn't it? God must have moved. No, God didn't move. You did. God said, if you'll return to me, I'll do in you what I've done before. Look, God hadn't quit doing the things He did in Scripture. God has not quit doing what He did in the New Testament. He just got different vessels doing it. Peter isn't here anymore. Now God wants your shadow. Paul isn't here anymore. Now God wants you to use the inspiration He gives you to lead others to Christ. John isn't here anymore. So... You'll have to grasp his vision of what he saw in the book of Revelation. See, just different people, same God. God wants to use you as he did them. You're the church of the New Testament. The baptism in the Holy Spirit that began on the day of Pentecost didn't quit on the day of Pentecost. It just began. Started pouring out pot ain't empty. It's an ongoing process. God's still pouring. It's available to you. He'll fill you full to overflowing. Problem is, you just want half a cup. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Of course, it's half full of dirty movies. Hatred. Anger, bitterness, resentment. How in heaven's name do you expect it to get full of him? That's why he's got to clean the cup. Vessel's got to be purged before he can fill it. Lord, fill me up. Well, I was filled once. Well, I was too. We were in Branson some time ago, stopped somewhere for breakfast. Man, I had a breakfast. Well, I don't even like eggs, and I had eggs. 
bacon, biscuits and pancakes. I walked out of there stuffed. But you know what? I've had that breakfast a few times since then. That one time didn't do it for me. Some of y'all got filled 20 years ago. Ain't had nothing since. You're missing something. There's a pouring out continually available to you. How do I get it? The whole preacher said, get under the spout where the glory flows out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now I've got to tell you, you're probably not going to get filled with the Holy Spirit sitting at home in front of the TV watching HBO. And I don't care how much you like football, that probably won't happen either. Glory. You're going to have to get into the presence of God alone. You're going to have to forget what everybody else thinks. Boy, I really want the fullness of God. God, whatever you do, don't let me speak in tongues right now. People hear God who wouldn't understand that. They don't like it. I want you, but can you wait? You have to forget everybody else. This isn't everybody else's thing. This is your thing. God, I want your fullness. Do you really? Because if you say that, what you're saying is, I really want to change. I really want to be different. I really want the joy that comes with that infilling that, that you promised. I want to be full again. You can have that. It'll cost you. It really will. It's, it's free, but it's costly. That makes sense. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It's free, but it's costly. Everything God has for you is free. It comes directly from heaven. But it'll cost you everything you are. You'll have to change. You'll have to let Him make you into a new vessel. Hello, your old wineskin can't hold this. Come on, you can't put on enough skin softener to take care of it. You can't hold it. You're going to have to be different. You'll explode if He puts this into you and you haven't changed. You've got to change. Bless God. We want revival. Amen. Amen. Say that again and I'll see if you really want revival. I'm going to tell you how to have it. Change. Had nothing to do with the evangelists. You've got to be willing to change. God, I want revival to take place in our city. I want you to change Bob. No, revival happens when you get down before God with tears in your eyes and say, God, change me. God, stir me again. Burn the fire within me once more. Let, let me know Your presence, God. Let me feel Your presence. Wow. David Ingalls, 
sang a chorus years ago, and I don't really remember it all. But it was into thy presence, be free, Holy Spirit. Speak to me gently as I close the door. Heavenly lover, let thy spirit hover. Shekinah, unending, be mine evermore. To come into the presence of the Shekinah glory of Almighty God. What an awesome thing. Listen, when he comes, I don't want him to have to do a lot of scrubbing. I want to be clean, pure, refined, holy.